You're listening to The B-Side, a podcast of Blessed Hope Community Church. Hey, this is Malia, your host as usual, and today I'm joined by Pastor David. Hi, Pastor David. (laughs) And Pastor Matt. Hey. Wow, they are real enthusiastic. I greeted Pastor David, so I thought he was going to greet me back. You know, it's it's all good. It would have been awkward, because... It was kind of expect, you know. Yeah, nobody tells you what to do. That's right. I get that. <laughs> How are you guys doing today? <laughs> Lovely. Surviving it's the wonderful. bitter cold. You know, they say today is the end, and I am really looking forward to. Um, um, weirdly enough, I'm really looking forward to regular below freezing temperatures, um, as opposed yeah. to. Below, below freezing. I'm just looking forward to busting out my shorts again. <laughs> so. How warm does it have to be? Um, yeah, Scott and I were having this mm, conversation also. Once you kind of hit single digits, it gets a little... Okay. As I've gotten older, it, yeah, that's yeah. kind of the, the realm. Okay. Mm-hmm. All so. right. Well, there you go. Mm-hmm. Good yeah. to know. That's so funny. Um, whereas I'll go most of the summer without wearing shorts. Same. Uh, yeah. But you're in, you know... You'll go yeah. most of the winter without wearing pants. So pretty it is what pretty it is. much, pretty much. <laughs> I do wear pants. But I was going to uh, say, shouldn't say that he goes without wearing pants. He just wears shorts. Yeah, that's an uh, HR problem waiting. We, we don't have an HR department, so True. we're fine. So we're good. <laughs> <laughs> I feel bad for all the Southerners right now. Like my first reaction to all that was like, oh my gosh, seriously, we deal with this all the time. But they are having those power outages, and then I was and, thinking like, their their structures aren't built for this no. so well think okay, about it yeah You're in, I, I read this morning uh actually carrie read to me while i was drinking coffee it's the best way to get the news um <laughs> but that, that in oregon there were so many people without power and and it was freezing cold but you know what they're equipped for it they've got fireplaces and whatever else they need because losing power isn't out of the you know uh but you're in texas you're not prepared for freezing weather with no no power. I mean, so it is different. Think of all the dead iguanas that just didn't make it. <laughs> I don't think. I, about, I think about been... that because Carrie in the mountains when they lived there, they would lose power for weeks at a time. Oh, geez. So they'd always have to move the iguana on top of the fireplace Aww. so that it would live. Aww. I appreciate you clarifying that because that was kind of a that's a, initially I was like that was a weird kind of no, a statement. I, like, that was part of our conversation that we were having this morning. Is the only reason I said that. Okay, that we weren't privy to. So right. thanks yeah. for you clarifying. You guys aren't in my head or in my house, and that's okay. <laughs> um, I have been enjoying seeing all the kids that don't normally get to play out in snow, like playing in snow and sledding on random things they have lying around their houses, and um, so that's fun. Those are good memories that mm-hmm. they're getting to enjoy um so today we are going to talk about one of everyone's favorite topics we are going to dig a little bit deeper into uh, what you covered on sunday which was church discipline yeah you know it's ironic um i heard from a lot of people after sunday's sermon that they appreciated that, and, and it was a hard topic, and they wanted, you know, they, they liked hearing about it. Um, but the people that I heard that from are people that that are 
folks that have been in the church a long time and um, consistently, steadfastly, like working. You know, so I, I think there probably is this dichotomy when you talk about church discipline. Some people fall on the side of, yes, we need we need to understand this better and we need to, to dig into this more for those that maybe are a little bit older in the faith or more mature. And then on the other side, it's like, whoa, that feels harsh and controlling and rough. And, and so I think, you know, when you have a, a topic like that, it, it kind of polarizes a little bit. And, sure. and so I hope, you know, I mean, again, all we can do is preach the word of God and the Holy Spirit will do whatever he, he's going to do. But I hope it wasn't too polarizing right. um, for folks. But there are things that, that I think are hard to hear and maybe some things that I wish I had clarified. So it's good that we have this forum to do that. Right, right. I always think on the Sundays where you or David preach and something really just like stabs me, <laughs> you know, I, it's so weird. I love those Sundays. And I think just, it's one of those things where like, if our pastors can't tell us the hard things, who can really, you know? And so I think that, I don't know. I think what you just said, though, is important. This is something David and I were talking about um, just kind of in passing yesterday, um, just about other things, is if, if you think about Paul, right? Like, like you said, if our pastors can't tell us those things. So there is a very clear understanding that you view us, David and I, as your spiritual authority yeah, or leaders. Absolutely. Yep. And I don't know that everybody in the church necessarily views David and I in that role. And so I think how you how you understand, like if you're new at the church, well, you wouldn't put me in that in, sure. in that category. Um, if you were getting, you know, if you were getting spiritual teachings from from 20 different places and you were as plugged in there as you are here, then you might not put David or I in that role. I thought that was a really great point that you made two weeks ago in your sermon um, on the 7th, that that you are going to get, you, you can get spiritual input from any number of places. Yeah, that was really good. But there is only one local church. I loved that point because I, as a pastor, I struggle with that. Like, I want people to get all of that. But then sometimes that equates to withdrawing from the local body and that's not ever the intention mm -hmm. and I, we got to be real careful there so I, I think you know david made the comment yesterday that paul you know that he could he could address these things he could put these things on the table because you know he was their spiritual leader and there was no you know e even when they tried to wander away or get goofy he had that authority he could just bring to the table and so he could speak those hard truths and so I think it might feel differently for people in the body. Sure. And it might be a kind of a heart check for them a little bit is this is the place where I've hung my hat. This is the place where I, I am a member or a committed attender of the church. Do I view Matt and David and the elders as the spiritual authorities or not? Right. And if you don't, then some of these harder topics are gonna are gonna sure. feel more um I don't, I don't, just more difficult. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's, submitting is hard in any well, hard way, shape, me. or form. You know, ultimately, yeah, it's a hard thing. And, um, 
yeah, that's all there is to it. It's, it's hard, and I, I totally get it. But, you know, yeah. we are called to. Yeah. Well, and, and it, it, it is difficult. Like, I mean, there's no – you get no judgment from me about how difficult that is. I, 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 I get it. And um, Well, it goes you know, against what the world is always telling us, too. Self-sufficiency yeah. and, and, you know, yeah. Well, I mean, it, it does. Um, but I think the thing to remember is everybody submits. Yep. You know, ultimately, we all submit to God. Uh, but but in a in a church body, like I'm submitting to the elders, um, Pastor David is submitting to the elders. The elders are submitting to one another. Uh, you know, like there there's just there's there's a system of accountability and submission that's necessary and helpful. Um, and I think sometimes we forget that it's not just, and we forget it for good reason, because some leaders in the world don't do that. Even in the church world, some yeah. leaders don't submit. Yeah. Um, to anybody. And yeah. then it bites them. Um, yeah, I was thinking about that the whole, not the whole time, but for the majority of your sermon on Sunday, I was thinking about Ravi Zacharias oh, and yeah. all of that mess. And um, That is a hot mess, that isn't That is it? so sad. I just, I was talking to someone else about it and she was like, it's just crazy that there was no accountability. That it was, you know, he was going into these rooms with women by himself and like, that was okay, and no one was even. You know what I mean? Like, what was going on? Yeah, like, I think I think it goes to show a couple of things. Because I'm sure his intentions at the beginning—I shouldn't say I'm sure—I would sure. imagine his intentions at the beginning were pure, right? Right. But little compromises are dangerous. You've you you've got to be careful up front because the more you compromise a little bit, a little bit, a little bit, you find yourself in a place you never thought plausible and possible and then your whole existence comes like like how do I how do I keep this away and keep it separate and keep it hidden and um yeah, I mean that's it's kind of like what you say with sin is, you know, you just start to play with it a little bit yep. and entertain it and yep. it just grows. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, anybody that has ever, anybody that's ever found themselves like they've done something or, or they are in the middle of something and, and, and they, they're like, how did this happen? They, they know, right? It's, it starts one small step at a time. And then you look up and you're like, wait a minute, like what just happened? Um, and you know, I think specifically about conversations I've had with people, you know, um, Talk about like an extramarital affair, right? It, it's it's like, well, it was, you know, just a friendship. And it was just harmless flirting, you know? And then it was just coffee after work. It was no big deal. And, but, you know, but if the hard boundaries are there ahead of time, you just don't ever right. get that far. Yep. And that's where accountability comes in. Somebody that you trust that has authority over you, um, even if it's not positional authority, it's authority you've given them just to say, hey, sure. what is wrong? You know, knock it off. Like, like let's, let's get yourself right and get yourself you know, in repentance. And that's helpful. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So let's kind of um, go back to your sermon on Sunday. And yeah. I know there you maybe got some questions or needed to... Um, kind of explain some things a little deeper? Yeah, I, I think in, in retrospect, like like especially that last, you know, what should have been a longer section, but due to some time was, was um, how do we do this at Blessed Hope? You know, what does this look like at Blessed Hope Community Church? Because I think there's, there's legitimate questions there about, okay, so how do we handle sin in the church? And, you know, when I say, you know, bless Aubrey, 
you know, she listens. Um, and so I'm like, Aubrey, you know, what'd you think today? And she's like, well, here's what I got. It is good to judge people, especially if they're sexually deviant. Like, <laughs> now, she's just giving me a hard time. Sure. But I'm like, Aubrey, I, I, I feel like there was more than that. <laughs> but she was just giving me grief. She's like, no, you said we should be judgy. Like that's, <laughs> yep, that's what I said. Um, but uh, but there's part of that. It's like I, I hope that's not what people picked up on. Sure. Um, you know, and so I don't know, David. What'd you think? Yeah, you were judgy. <laughs> no, I'm just sorry. No. Um, <laughs> uh, it's I have a, a lot of thoughts in in all of that. You know, church discipline is. I'm going to go back to a thought I had in the beginning and and kind of feed into this on why church discipline, I guess, is such a hard topic is um, we live in a world of multiple choices, right? You make me bad, I'll just go to the other church. You know, like I I was thinking about Paul and just all that. Like, how could Paul write this letter that was so strong, like this very intense thing? It's because they had no other option. It was like, you don't have another church to go be part of. This is it. This is the church. Um, and, and I was just thinking about how, why it's so hard now, because, you know, somebody can walk away from that, you know, your sermon and, and I could walk away from that going, man, I don't like the way he said that. So I'm going to go find the people that I like the way they interpret it better. And, and that's why, again, this conversation is good. Anybody that's listening, if you, if you did wrestle with anything on Sunday, that's, that's the point is we need to do a better job of actually wrestling through what we're thinking. Um, and like actually having conversations instead of making snap judgment um, conclusions on what was said or what we think was said, or you know automatically, well, I just didn't care for that, um, and, and actually have a conversation on what it looks like, why it looks that way, and and what it really means, you yeah. know, um, because again, and, it's that strong of a topic. Yeah, and working know? through that is part of growth. Mm-hmm. Well, and, and I think, you know, I think part of that is uh, one of the things that we are predisposed to avoid in our culture is conviction, mm-hmm. right? There are, there are some sects, some groups in, in our, you know, kind of a self-focused that are like, no, 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 embrace the, em- embrace the conviction because then there's growth on the other side. And that's a Christian idea, right? But, but it's been hijacked to a degree. Uh, but but for the most part, still most groups of people in our our culture, um, conviction is hard, and so you know what I can avoid that I can push that away and I can shift gears and I can surround myself with different people or I can do other things, but but conviction feels difficult, um, and unless there's a reason to go through it and and to to be confronted by it and and to wrestle uh, change. Unless you've got a compelling reason, why would you? Um, and so a lot of people don't. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and because they, they forget that the compelling reason is um, the holiness of God that is so worth it. Mm-hmm. So I think it's hard. It does. But I think here in the church, um, you know, one of, the, one of the easiest questions is, you know, what level of sin requires church discipline? Right? Because we all sin. And we all fall short. And so what level requires church discipline? And that's a really tricky question because you could be guilty of some of the most, I'm going to use the word gross, not in disgusting, but gross, like this just massive amount, um, this, this gross amount of sin. And you could be guilty of that and not be in line for church discipline. 
if you understand that it's wrong and you're submitting to um, to the discipleship process. It doesn't mean you won't make that mistake again, uh, but you're you don't need discipline because you understand that it's wrong. Right. And you're actively trying You're trying to... and you're you're letting other people help you in the process yeah. and you're not you're not saying it's good, it's right. You're you're struggling with it. And maybe I keep making the mistake. Um but you're you're going through the process. Right. And there, there's real repentance happening there. I think I think one of the easiest examples and, and and I hate to even jump to this for an example because whenever we think church discipline people always think sexual sin. Right? It's almost always oh, look at Robbie Zachariah, right? Like mm-hmm. it's the thing we almost always think of because it's a big deal, right? We'll get to this later in 1 Corinthians, but God says that that when we sin sexually, we're we're actually sinning against our own body, and, and, which is the temple of God and all the other sins are outside, but this is this is different. It's of a different nature. But you think about somebody and I've had these conversations with people before. Somebody that is struggling with same-sex attraction. And they know it's not what God desires for them. And they are trying to walk a line of purity and celibacy, right? But they trip and they fall and they engage in this behavior. Um, and and then they they repent and they struggle and they strive to do better and they grow, but they, they trip and fall again. Like that's not somebody that needs church discipline. That's somebody that needs love, compassion, accountability, care, and discipleship. But somebody that is... Um, Somebody that is having sex outside of marriage and thinks there's nothing wrong with it and doesn't think God cares and just keeps doing that no matter how many times they've been told, like, look, God says no to this. And they say, I don't care what God says. I'm just going to do what I'm going to do. Well, that's not discipleship necessarily. That might need discipline. It's just a hard line. Well, one of the things we need to understand is that attitude of rebellion, like I don't care we sit there and say our attitude can be, well, what should it matter to you? This is my life or whatever I'm doing. But what people don't understand also is we're also passing our attitude or our view onto others around us too. So we don't realize that the fire of our life, we're spreading that to other people too. And that's where the church has to be protective of that because it's like, well, if there's not discipline on this area, we can't allow that to come in and then, pull others yep. away from a Christ-centered life because you're, you know, you might be going out and defending why your position is right. And and that's one of the things that, you know, the leadership of the church, but just the church as a whole has should be very protective of. You know, and you think about you know, I was sitting here thinking as you were talking about this and I never really was processing this until just now. Um so this might not be a very clear thought, but talking about this why sexual sin is so prominent and especially what Paul's talking about well if you look at the context of the culture uh, sex was actually very much connected to pagan worship and 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 chasing after false gods oh absolutely you know so that's why it was such a big deal it was like listen your actions are actually linking you to the worship of other gods and and so we don't have that necessarily as blatantly in the sense of a temple, but we have to understand even in our context today. I mean, think about sex is the well, god of the world. You know, every you know, like the god of self. Yes, and that's why that's such a that's why it's so easy to fall to that one first because it very much is a outward sin that links us to a false god. Well, and, and in some you, way, if you think about it too, that's. You know, it goes back even further than that. The reason that Satan co-opted sex, right? One, 
I mean, let's be honest, it, it feels good, and right? So it's an easy way to pull people because it's, it's instant pleasure, right? But, but the other thing is that God designed sex to be binding, right? You see Adam and Eve in the garden. He said that the two, you know, you, you become one flesh together. Like there's something supernatural, something spiritual about two people engaging in this intimate act that binds them together. And so God creates it not just for... for um, not just for procreation, but but it's also part of this this bonding thing. And then, you know, Satan says, "No, no, I'm going to take that and and this thing that God created sacred, and I'm going to co-opt it." Right. So, yes, it's used in the pagan temples. You know, God had a grand design for it, and it becomes. Here's the other thing: it's it is outward. It is so visible, mm-hmm. right? Like I could harbor bitterness in my heart, and I could hide that for the most part. I could harbor a lack of forgiveness in my heart um, or unbelief in my heart or any number of things in my heart, and I could hide it, right? But one of the reasons that discipline centers around sex so much is because you can't hide that necessarily. I mean, that comes to the surface. People know it. Mm -hmm. Um, And um, it's not necessarily worse than, but it's more visible, Mm -hmm. and it has more of an ability to not only hurt me, but hurt the church, hurt the glory of God to do those things. That's why we take it so seriously. Mm-hmm. Um, I have a question just about the letters in general. Letters? Like the epistles. Okay, yeah. Um, so like, so when Paul wrote to the church in Corinth, Yep. Um, and they received the letter. Did everyone read it? Did just the leadership read it? How, did they read it aloud to everybody? Like, how does? Do, I mean, do we know how do, that works? I think the leadership probably read it first. To be like, am I mentioned? Let's, let's, <laughs> <laughs> like, let's not read that part. Like, <laughs> yeah. I, I think they were read aloud. Um, David's right. Probably the leadership got the first go round um, because part of the preparation is as the leaders, kind of what we do as pastors, right? As we mm-hmm. preach, like we, we take we take the word and we read it, but then we also try to help people understand it and apply it. And what does it mean? I, I would imagine the leaders did similar things, right? They, they would read the letter from Paul and then they would kind of dig in and wrestle with what does that mean for us right now? Uh, it was easier for them to get context be context because it was their context. Um, and, and, you know, probably the buffer to that is whoever delivered the letter probably stayed until it was read mm-hmm. to the congregation mm-hmm. um, to make sure that it, it happened. Um, so these letters of correction and other thing, we can probably be, be confident. You know, they were delivered the way that they were supposed to be delivered because um, Paul or Peter, whoever, would have seen to it. Sure. Um, Do you think Chloe was like, Ooh. I don't think so. I, I I don't think it was a secret when Chloe dispatched people. I don't think she I hid like from Chloe. that. I think I think Chloe was like, listen. I identify with Chloe. My understanding about Chloe and the way that Paul doesn't correct her but lauds her is that she tried to fix it. She confronted what needed to be confronted, and sure. she she talked to the leadership and she pushed, and there was no uh, avail. So then she went to the spiritual father and said, "Hey, mm-hmm. um, your children are acting up. Yeah, like we need help." Um, so, so no, I don't, I don't, I don't think she, I think everybody knew that she had sent somebody to Paul. <laughs> like, like she didn't do it in secret. I, I can't imagine. Yeah. I feel like I was sitting next to Bethany that day or, or maybe it was, I don't know. I was sitting next to someone and I looked over, I was like, I'm Chloe. <laughs> <laughs> well, there you go. Um, well then you so just funny. need people. Yes. So, <laughs> I, uh, need, I need an entourage. 
one of the questions we get too when it comes to discipline is is what does it mean to remove some from when the church and so i want to be clear that we are not in the business of asking people to not attend um, we don't consider that necessarily although there may be a time where that's necessary um, and I, I have been a part of a scenario where that was necessary before not here at blessed hope um, but but the idea of removing somebody from the church is basically removing their membership any authority or privilege that they have disappears. Um, so, for example, early on in my tenure, um, there was, was somebody that wanted to get married here at the church. Um, and they couldn't. Uh, the answer was no. Uh, they said, well, I'm going to do it anyway. And they went out and did it in a secular way um, and, um, and then wanted to come back to the church, mm -hmm. right? Like, well, you didn't, you know, I went out and got it done anyway and came back to the church. And so basically at that point we said, okay, yes, but, but we're entering into a season of discipline mm -hmm. uh, because you've, you've completely rejected biblical teaching and the authority of the church. And so we're entering into a season of discipline. So membership was removed. Um, and, and voting privileges were removed. Mm -hmm. Any opportunity to teach or lead was sure. removed. We said, come, you're free to come because we want you to hear biblical truth. Um, but your ability to influence the church has been limited. And then we also went a step further and said, look, if you, while you are here, attempt to teach people your perspective that is unbiblical, then at that point, we will ask you to no longer be a part of even our Sunday morning gatherings. Um, and, and so that was that's kind of been our approach to this. We, we always want people to come here and hear truth. Mm -hmm. We just want to limit their ability to dishonor God or influence the body in any way. Sure. So, uh, I, you know, there are churches that will handle that differently. Some churches mm -hmm. will say, no, you're, you're, you're just gone and, and expelled from the fellowship. And... I can't fault them for that, but our right. position is never that we don't want you here. Right. Reconciliation is always top of mind and the goal, right? right? Yes. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, even, yes, we're always, which is why one of the reasons why we want them to, to be able to hear teaching, mm -hmm. right? Because one of the dangers is, is, is we send somebody away, right? And we don't allow them to be part of the fellowship. And then, so what do they do? They go find a church that teaches what they want to hear. Um, and there's no growth there. Um, and, and so we want them to be here and here and wrestle and, and we want there to be that tension and that conviction and all of that. But, uh, but right. first and foremost, we have to protect God's glory and, um, the influence His in the people. church. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's, it's like you, um, compared on Sunday to parents and a child with discipline. It's not. It's always out of love, yep. Um, and it's always meant for reconciliation, and always meant to grow them and teach them and um, help them to learn and do better in the future. It's not, you know, we don't discipline our kids and say, "Okay, peace out, good luck." You know, there's yeah. there's always a reason behind it, and the reason is love. And I think, just like God disciplines it, us out of love, yes, it, it's, it's His mercy. It's because it's because we care, and and mm -hmm. I know that sounds so contrary to a secular world, right? right? But but that's why the parenting example is so easy. Because even even people that aren't Christians as parents, they get that yeah. you discipline out of love. It is it would be far less complicated for us as leaders, 
if we never had to discipline. If we just were like, you know what? We'll just say what we're going to say from the pulpit. You do what you want to do, and that's it. And there, are, and, and there are some churches that do that. Yeah. And, and and I get that, but but it it is by far, even though it doesn't feel like it, it is by far more loving to confront things like immorality because it's for their good. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, it would be worse for us to just give you over to. I mean, just God does the same thing. Yeah. So. One of the things, though, I think that's true, too, is is we have to understand that, that there are levels of discipline. Like, not every discipline needs somebody to be removed from the fellowship. Some sure. discipline is a little different, um, and, and some discipline needs to be public. Some discipline is private. You know, at, at a base level, you know, we, we, we remove people from membership sometimes because they're not a part of us anymore. Right. Like, they've made it clear that... that they don't desire to be a part of the fellowship. Well, we don't need a, you know, that's not a public disciplinary thing. It's just, it's like, okay, well then we're going to remove you. Right. Because it's difficult for us to shepherd people. And we take that responsibility really seriously. I mean, the Bible says we have to, it's difficult to shepherd people that aren't here. Um, Other times, you know, we will, we will kind of sit down with people and enter into a disciplinary process, but it's months long. Mm -hmm. Right. Because, Part of what we have to do is we have to get people to understand what sin is. Perfect example, when Carrie and I were dating, we were living together. And I mean, I, you know, I, I don't say this like brazenly, like, oh, and it worked out for us. Trust me. <laughs> Trust me. God has been so gracious, and, yeah. and, and we've had to navigate a lot of struggles, and I think largely because we just didn't do it well. But we were living together, and we were fornicating I guess is the is the official word that you would use I mean we were having sex outside of marriage and yep. uh, we, we were doing it the way God told us not to do it but we genuinely didn't believe we were wrong we had been attending church we were immature Christians we thought at that point in time our understanding of scripture was other things we'd heard that it needed to be updated for the time that we lived in. Mm. Right, like that was our genuine understanding of scripture. It's like, yeah, that was great when people were getting married at fourteen, right? It makes sense not to have sex before marriage when you're getting married at fourteen, but this isn't that time anymore. And sure. so we we were we were having this like, and so and we did go through discipline. Uh, the pastor at the church we were at refused to marry us. Um, we were not allowed to become members of the church, but we weren't removed from the church uh, because part of that. You know, part of the goal of that discipline was you need to understand what God wants and what God's word is and what it isn't. Um, and so we went through discipline, but it was of a different kind, if that makes sense. Yeah. Well, and think about if that church wasn't that kind of church mm-hmm. and would have said, you know, sure. whatever, sure, yeah. And just how much differently that might have affected your, yeah. your growth and your yeah. marriage, even too. Yeah. Well, and, and to be fair, the first thing was not, we won't marry you. The first thing was, um, you know, they, boy, Byron, um, you know, Byron works so hard for us. And, and you know, and, and other than the fact that he was our, our shepherd, he had no reason to, right? We weren't like extra involved in the church. We weren't giving a great deal. You know, I mean, we were, we were, we were new. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and uh, but but he's like, you know what? I'll help you find a place to live. Like, let's let's work this out. Let's get separated. You know, like like it wasn't no, I won't marry you. It was there's some things we have to do first. Sure. Uh, and of course, we were smug, right? Because we thought we were in the right. We thought we understand the Bible better than you do, you <laughs> doctor of ministry. You know, like. Um, <laughs> You know, and then, but even then, you know, when we said no, we don't want to do that. He's like, okay, how about this? How about, we, how about we get you married next week? Like, let's just get your license and let's, like, you say you want to honor God with your marriage, mm-hmm. so this is a necessary thing for that. Let's do this. Um, and even that, we refused. Like, I mean, but but he bent over backwards to try to help navigate us through that. You know, I mean, he's like, get married now, have your have your ceremony later, and celebrate what God's done. But but don't. Don't continue to say I, we want to follow God while actively living in, in rebellion. And, and, and so, I mean, I, that's, that's our goal. Like, I, I think about how Byron navigated that so well uh, with us. And while it didn't pay immediate dividends, we did stay in the church. We kept listening. We kept learning. We kept growing. We got to the point where we've both repented from that um, and asked God to forgive us and bless our marriage, you know, even though we, we didn't enter into it in a way that was for him. And, you know, that's the goal, right, of any discipline mm-hmm. is, is to, to get people to the point where they can repent and yeah. move forward. God is so patient with yes. us, isn't he? Oh, man. <laughs> I think about that all the time and just oh, it's pretty awesome. And the other thing about it, too, is, is thinking about Sunday. Discipline is for believers. Mm, yeah. I mean, that's a good point. Discipline is not for, and, and that's that's the point Paul was making. And maybe I didn't linger there as long as I could have on Sunday when he said, "When I told you not to associate, I wasn't talking about non-believers, right? Right? Even non-believers in the church. I'm talking about people who call themselves your brothers or sisters in Christ, mm-hmm. whether they are or aren't. If they claim to be, that's where your open invitation for discipline is. Um, for us, we look at that as. Um, when people enter into a covenant commitment, when they become members, they are saying, I am entering into a commitment, a covenant commitment with the church. And part of that commitment is I give the elders the permission and the authority to be my spiritual leaders. And that includes discipline. And so for us, you know, that's when we step in there. If somebody is a non-believer or they're new to the church and they're not members, you know, we're not we're not coming at you, right? That's that's not what we're trying to do. Be here, even even if you're doing something that you know is wrong, you just aren't sure how God fits in your life. Be here, mm-hmm. learn, mm-hmm. grow. Um, but as you learn and grow, be prepared to be convicted, be prepared to be challenged, and be prepared to be led, hopefully, to repentance. Mm-hmm. Um, and then that's when we enter into membership yeah. and those things. Well, and gosh, I hope that um, there are opportunities then too for for us to come alongside them and talk about these things and try to figure it out together. Because yeah, especially if you're newer to church or newer to the faith, like you would have no clue how to even begin. Well, let's be clear. Like you can't do it alone. Think about Carrie and I and our, our weird understanding of the Bible, which is actually pretty common, right? That the Bible needs to be updated to match our time. No, no, no. The Bible is timeless, but, but we didn't just get like, we were wrong. And we didn't just wake up one day or talk after church on a Sunday and be like, huh, turns out we were wrong. <laughs> that was a process of we were in we were in Bible studies, we were in small groups, we were in any number of yeah. of, of of places where we learned and we heard and we were challenged and and we just grew, right? Like 
that wouldn't have happened if we had said, oh, well, we don't fit the mold. We're out of here. Right. So, you know, I I, don't be scared away. Um, You know, if if you're if you're living a life that the church says, no, man, God says no to that. Don't don't be scared away. But take some time to seriously think about is following God important to me? And if that's the case, how do I really dig in? And what does repentance look like? And how can I change? Mm-hmm. David, you got something <laughs> to add over there? He's just nodding. You were like looking gotta, through First Corinthians. Yeah, and, but so I yeah, was like, I had something I was thinking about, but I couldn't find what I was looking for. But uh, I okay, so yeah, I, I have a lot of thoughts going through my head. Um, so you know, as I think about discipline, I hear you guys talking, and that's kind of what I'm doing. Is just kind of just thinking as you are going back and forth and um i think as the church and as christians we have to all strive to get to the place of seeing discipline for what it is and and most important number one it's about god's glory that that's number one right i mean it's it's not i mean yes he wants to get us where we need to be in a loving and that father way but number one thing is always it's him right it's it's him. It's always his glory. So as the church, the reason discipline happened is yes, it's, it happens because you care very much for the person that needs to be disciplined because you don't like where they're at and you, and, and you want them to be where they need to be. But number one always has to be, but we're number one doing this because of God's glory, right? It's all about him and you might not like it and, but it has to happen because he comes first because we live in a very, because, because I was thinking about that as you guys were talking, like another problem with Western culture is we are very much individualistic in our thinking. It's all about me. Even if we're part of a group, it's still about me because everything we think about is how does this benefit me? Do I like it? Does it make me happy? Does it fulfill me? Does it do this and this and this? If you look at the context of culture where the Bible came from, you know, the, the, where, where Jesus and the, the early church started, there was community. There was, it was a collective thinking. Right. It was people got this more of it's not about me and my rights. It's about us. And that's that's why we wrestle a lot when we read the Old Testament, I think, is because we hear God say things like purge the evil from among you. And we're like, man, that's just really harsh. But they had a collective understanding. It was it was the health of the entire nation that was important. So when you think about church discipline, it's it's yes, it's about the individual that's under discipline. But first is God's glory. Second is also the priority of the health of the church, you know, because those are two very primary things. Because if it's not dealt with, God's going to not be glorified. And the health of the, the collective is weakened, right? That's why Paul talks about in Corinthians, the body. You are a body, you know, if the, you know, it's one of those things that it's hilarious is the things that, that hurt the most on the body are usually some of the most like you, you stub your pinky toe. You know, it seems so insignificant until all of a sudden that's not healthy. It affects everything. And, and so we have to understand that I think we make it a lot about us. And and that's why when church discipline happens, we, we struggle with that because it's like, well, you're not making me happy. <laughs> it's like, I get that. But happiness, your happiness is not should not be the ultimate goal. God's glory and, and the health of the church. And then by choosing to be obedient and submissive to God, you are going to f- discover the joy that he has for you, but you're chasing after, you know, so that was one of the thoughts that was going through my head. The other one that was, I mean, this is going to sound really weird, but I was kind of chuckling to my, in my own head about this is, is there's, I'm thinking about a person that might be under discipline. And I think about God's first mode is of discipline is, Hey, I want to use my church. 
to to discipline you, mm-hmm. right? Like that's his first mode is I want to I want I want this to happen collectively through the fellowship and through the church. But the scary part is, and this is for any of us, including myself, that ever fall into maybe a rebellious attitude, is um, let's choose to submit to the discipline of the church because. If we don't submit to the discipline of the church, then guess what happens? God says, okay, now you're going to fall under my direct discipline. Like the church. So the thing that I was chuckling in my head, it's kind of like the equivalent of you think about the house. Like, um, I don't know what anybody else's house was like, but you know, that attitude of like mom disciplining you. Wait till dad comes home, right? (laughs) It's like submit to, you know, the the church is kind of like, okay, this is stage one. It's the more like the mom. Yeah. You know, like. Submit to this. Oh, no, I'm not going to. Well, guess what? Now, wait till this happens. And I, I was just kind of chuckling, but I think that's how that works. Some of us need to be very, you know, the Bible says it is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of, a, of an yes. angry God. Oh, yes. Right? That, that, is, that is literally what the Bible says. And that's what we need to realize about discipline. When the church comes into discipline, understand the motive, right? It is loving. It is caring. Even God's discipline is loving and caring. But you yeah. don't want to fall under the father, right? Like you don't want mm-hmm. the God to be like, all right, fine. You didn't want to submit to that. Now you're going to deal with me directly. And scripture tells us that is a scary, scary thing. Mm-hmm. And it's still, you know, it's, it's still motivated out of love and concern for us, but still it's his glory first. So I think just, that was the thought I was going through. We need to realize that. Like, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah, let's submit. You know, we should like jump at the chance. Like, oh, yeah, I'm going to submit to the, yeah, I'm going to submit to this level of discipline first. Because yeah. I don't want to experience <laughs> when daddy comes home. That's funny. I you like know, it. when the father comes yeah. into this and says, all right, fine. That's I'm going to so take care of it. Sh- yeah. And so. Yeah, I've told you guys this before, but I think my dad could still give me that dad look, the scary dad look, and I would immediately burst into tears. <laughs> Like it has that kind of power. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we gotta, we gotta get him in here to do that sometime. <laughs> oh man, you don't want to disappoint your dad, though. You know, no. like that's the worst. Well, but you uh. know what? There's, there's a difference too. You say that there's a difference mm-hmm. between, um, and it's the difference between repentance and rebellion. Yeah. Like, is it that I don't want to disappoint my dad, or that I'm scared of? Both, <laughs> but, but but I mean, I, I think to the point of like like I when I sin, I'm disgusted with myself. Yeah, because I'm disgusted with you too. When thank you. Sin. I appreciate that <laughs> that level of accountability. Yeah, yeah. you're welcome. But, but when I sin, like like I'm like, oh, man, like like I I I've somehow let God down because I have right everything He's done for me. Now He's gracious and He forgives me, but I I, I just I have such sorrow. Um, not always and, and not immediately, but, but eventually, like when I, you know, and like when, when God confronts me with these things, I'm like, oh, you know, I'm, I'm just so I'm like, I'm just like, what in the world is wrong with me? Like there's this, I, I have disappointed my heavenly father who loves me unconditionally mm-hmm. and doesn't love me any less than he did before. But, but that guy, I, I, you know, I, I. That's different, I think, sometimes than, oh, I'm afraid of the discipline of God. Mm-hmm. Um, both can be healthy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. I just, I think, you know, part of that is is when we are repentant, um, you know, we feel that disappointment. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, come on. Like, I, I, I didn't want to do that. Like, I didn't. Yeah. Uh. It all comes back to our heart yeah. and our motives. Well, and that's, that's what I was actually going to say. Is thinking, we also need to clarify just real quick that 
the motives behind church discipline in the sense of, I think we live in a culture where we see false teachers or we see people in the church that are fallen or whatnot. And we also have, I mean, there, there's been, I remember once when I was in youth ministry, uh, I had a, a girl not talking about what was happening, but there was even discipline in that where I had to be like, you know, and, and confront it. And I remember her looking at me. So she's like, listen here, Jim Jones. And I'm like, <laughs> I was like, what'd you call me? I mean, it was like this, this moment of, you know, but that's that mentality, right? This you're trying to control me. And, and why should mm-hmm. I listen to you? Because sounds like being a parent. Well, in many ways, that's what I'm saying. It's it, so I'm saying this to all of us in the church, including myself is we fall into the motive. Anytime discipline has to happen, even if it's the smallest degree of course, correction of like, mm-hmm. you know, Hey, we're just kind of seeing this. We're concerned about you. Maybe you need to think about doing it this way. Instantly, people fall into this. We're going to question your motives. You're just trying to control me. You're telling me what to do. You have a power. Here's the thing. If most people understood what it means to be a pastor, an elder, or a leader in the church, um, we're not sitting around going, man, we can't wait to do church discipline. Like, because I just want to control people. Yeah, like, I love it. It's amazing. I, I just love this being able to boss people around and tell them what's wrong with them. And I mean, no. I it's like my number one thing I would hate. I hate more than anything. Yes. I hate it. More than broccoli. Oh, yeah. And I, I hate, hate broccoli. broccoli. Um, and I'm just saying, like, we need to, I just want anybody listening to hear this. Like, this is not something that you set, we set back and like, man, we can't wait to control these people. But we fall into that. And, and I'm going to say this to all of us again myself included is you say about being a parent think of how many times we react right like i think about a little kid you know teenager you know no you can't do this you hate me like you know you don't want me to have any fun you don't we instantly jump to this like your motives are horrible why you know every and we do that we instantly jump to questioning motives and what's sad about it is sometimes even in the church, you can have a great relationship relationship with somebody or, you know, you never had an issue. As soon as discipline comes in in any form, mm-hmm. it's like all that gets thrown out the window because instantly we fall into this. Who are you to control me? Who are you to, you know, because we instantly jump. Satan wants us to question motives. Yeah. And, and that's a sad, sad thing yeah. that he, he does to destroy unity in the church is now I, I doubt your motive on why you're even doing this. So, mm-hmm. yeah, we need to see the best in each other. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Well, so some other time, not right now, but I, I want us to talk more about Ravi Zachariah because, <laughs> because there are so many questions yeah. and there are so many lessons to be learned there. Uh, and there are so many big theological questions yeah. too about, about a lot of that. Um, you know, questions like, what do we do with his teachings now? Yeah. I feel like we need to get Vince here for that. <laughs> oh boy. Vince, I, I tell know. you what, I've always appreciated and been influenced by, by Ravi Zechariah's ministry. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Vince, you know, that, yeah. that was Vince as an intellectual, yeah. right? That, that was, he was the first person I thought of actually when I was reading yeah, this. Vince as out. an intellectual just thrived. Mark Johnson is another one mm. thrives on his teaching. Mm. Um, and so what do we do with that teaching now? I mean, do we throw it out? Yeah. Do we understand he was a flawed human being, but that yeah. God still used it? Like, like there, there's a lot of tension there. I'd love to talk about that more later. Maybe, I don't know that anybody yeah. else really cares. Maybe we just should talk about that. We turn the <laughs> microphones off. But. I don't know. I love the article that Bethany shared about it. 
you know, and just cautioning us not to be enamored by any one celebrity pastors or, are difficult. Or really anyone. We could put I and mean, we could put you or oh, David in that spot. Yeah, we I don't put, think we have to worry about anybody being well, enamored with but David just, or I. Just a reminder, like, you know, even as much as a lot of us love Jen Wilkin, you know, like she yes. is human. She is a flawed she is individual. Flawed. She does everything she says is not, you know. No. So yeah, just, it's it's a good reminder. Absolutely. Well, and I, I think nobody wants to be in that position either, right? To where that's how people look at you, like you can't make a mistake because what an awful place to be. Yeah, when you, yes. Yeah. Yeah, it, it's a rough place to be. And, and ultimately, God is in charge and in control, and he will, justice and judgment are his, and he'll take care of that. And you know what? Jesus died for, for a sinner like Ravi Zachariah just yeah. as much as he died for a, a sinner like me. It just stings yeah. um, to to think something about mm-hmm. someone and then to find out that it was all a front. Yep. Or it, it, it at best, um, you know, it was, I, I don't know. It's, it's just hard to navigate. Yeah, sure. All right. Thanks for listening.